This is Shifting Our Schools episode 113, Team Teaching in All Its Glory, with our guests, Jessica and Linda. We have a, a large interactive whiteboard. Okay. Then we have essentially four smaller, about 40-inch monitors up oh, on the cool. walls. With um, One is in the reading nook area, but that can then be a workspace. And then we have these three uh, peninsula tables, which will easily take about six kids around them. And they can just plug in their Chromebooks to the monitor and then literally just have this the one monitor to look at. Listen up, educators. Are you looking to take your classroom to the next level? The technological shift in education is happening right now. If you're looking to integrate technology into your classroom, you're in the right place. Welcome to Shifting Our Schools with your host, Jeff Udick. Well, welcome back to another episode of Shifting Our Schools. Thank you for listening and subscribing to us in your favorite podcast player. If you aren't subscribed, you can do that right now by just searching Shifting Our Schools wherever you like to listen. We really do appreciate all of you who continue to spread the word about Shifting Our Schools. We'd love to hear your thoughts on different episodes, and you can do that by tweeting us using the hashtag, hashtag SOSpodcast on Twitter or any social network, or let us know where you listen to the podcast. We always like to hear different places that you listen. Are you a listen-in-the-car kind of person? Do you listen when you work out? It's amazing all the different places people get to listen to podcasts. You can also reach out to us via email at SOSpodcast at gmail.com or by using the contact form on our website over at SOSpodcast.org. Org, sorry, sospodcast.org. Also, if you're at the NCCE conference in a week's time, find Chris Butler or I, and we'd love to hear your thoughts on the podcast, what you like, what you don't like, what episodes you like us to do. Uh, and you could also pick yourself up a Shifting Our Schools sticker for your laptop while you're there as well. So please, if you're going to be at NCCE in a couple weeks' time, uh, please do reach out, find Chris and I, and say hi. We always love hearing from our listeners. This is the last week you can leave a Flipgrid response to enter to win this awesome Flipgrid recording tent. I'm telling you, this thing is pretty awesome, and I'm excited to give this away to a classroom. You can see more about the Flipgrid tent over on our Flipgrid at sospodcast.org by clicking on Flipgrid in the menu at the top. How do you win to? How do you enter to win this amazing tent? And I still don't have anybody who's actually left a Flipgrid response, so this is your last week. All you have to do is leave us your Flipgrid response by going to sospodcast.org and clicking at Flipgrid at the top. You can either answer this week's question, give us feedback on an episode, talk about something we've talked about in an episode anytime between January and next week. So that's about it. That's all you have to do. It's not very difficult. All you have, Or if you can go over to our website, click on SOS at sospodcast.org, click on Flipgrid at the top, or download the Flipgrid app and enter code SOSpodcast. And from there, you can record directly from your phone. We will be using your responses in upcoming episodes as we love to share what our community thinks about our podcast as well. Each week, we ask a question based on that week's episode for you to ponder about and give your response. So we even give you a question for you to answer for those of you that uh, can't find something in an episode. This week's question, are you ready for it? What do you love about team teaching. If you've ever been in a team teaching situation, we love to hear about what you love about being in a team teaching situation. That's what this week's episode is all about. Again, enter to win that Flipgrid tent by recording your answer to this question over on our Flipgrid. And you can do that again at SOSpodcast.com. 
sos.org and clicking on Flipgrid in the menu. Or if you'd like to, you can send us an email at sospodcast at gmail.com and I'll probably read your email in the recording uh, so that we all learn together. We grow by sharing and learning together and that's what we're all about here at Shifting Our Schools. This week, Chris Butler and I have a chat with Jessica and Linda, two high school teachers who team teach in a blended learning project-based flexible seating environment. That's right, folks. They have the trifecta. You're going to love this one. And don't forget to check out the video of their classroom in the show notes. If you want to see what a modern learning environment looks like, what a 2020 classroom should look like, you're going to want to look at the video in the show notes after you listen to this podcast. I'm excited for you to hear this one and to look at that video. And with that, on the show. All right, welcome back to another episode of Shifting Our Schools. So great uh, to be here with Jessica and Linda tonight uh, from Richland High School. So great to have you both here. And uh, of course, my co-host, Chris Butler, day in the life of the tech coach at River, Oregon. How you doing, my friend? Yep. I'm doing good. I'm doing well. Um, so Jeff, I was thinking about theme music, and I don't know if we have the budget for it, but the Beatles, a day in the life. It just makes sense. I oh, mean, it does. If only does, we have, right? I'll have to, I'll, if I'll only we had the- <laughs> so first let me look at the budget, which is zero. Okay. And then I'll reach out to the Beatles <laughs> and see if that works right. with, with getting the rights to the song. But uh, I think, I think that'd be great. Uh, how was your day today, my friend? <laughs> so the day was okay. It was, it was, I was at another residency out of the school. So I spent the day during school in the building. A couple teachers invited me in, um, so I'm starting to build some traction there, which is nice. Um, the I ended the day at a meeting with the all the district administrators, the building administrators from the district, and the four coaches, and which was kind of a, it's kind of an interesting thing because, and I'm just going to be straight up honest um, because I've had a lot of other coaches reach out to me and talk to me about this, and they're cool. kind of having struggles about this too. So. Um, I love my administrators, but I have no desire to be one. Um, (laughs) And the way that this, the coaches in this district are set up is we're more of district level coaches, almost like a coordinator level at other districts. Um, And so it just, it's an interesting mix trying to figure out how that works and how my role is supposed to be with that focus, but also like, in my heart, like I talked about this in our last podcast when we were talking with Pat and I talked about my day in life. Like I want to be in classes more. I want to be in classes yeah. more. And so I'm, yeah. it's, it's kind of this weird mix. And so I've, I've had other coaches reach out and say like, Hey, I'm having the same thing. Like how to, what are some ideas? How can we figure some things out? That sort of thing. So, mm-hmm. um, during the school was day was great. After school was like, eh, those other duties as assigned, right? Yeah, the other duties as yeah. assigned. I like that. That's <laughs> yeah. a good way to put it. So, yeah, and that's always a hard. That's always the struggle, right? Yeah. And and I think there's yeah. a lot going on of and you know a lot of times I find that when districts start down the coaching path, it's really undefined. Those job roles are undefined, and so people kind of yeah. end up fitting you know, kind of where that is. And then of course you come in as like the second coach, and that job description mm-hmm. doesn't fit what you want to do, even though right, that right. they hired you saying I want to be in classrooms. You're like, yes, that's what we want, but that's not really what we want you to do. That's, like there becomes exactly. this really weird yeah. thing, and so yeah, trying to figure out where you fit and how do you structure that, and and so mm-hmm. and helping. I think the biggest thing is is trying to help administrators understand 
what a yeah. true role of a coach is in the classroom supporting teachers. So, right. um, yeah. And, and I always, I have that conversation with, I'm sorry, I have a lot, that conversation with a lot of people that I talk to. Like I'm technically my job title is the exact same title that I had before instructional technology coach, but the role is, it's a completely different role. Yeah, and so it's just, a, it's an interesting thing. Yeah. yeah. Every district's that way. It's so crazy. Yeah. So yeah, it's great. Well, Jessica and Linda, it's so great to have you guys here. I'm so excited to have you uh, on the podcast. We're going to be talking about your team teaching approach at uh, Richland High School. But before we get started, we always like to hear how your journey into education, how did you get here? Linda, let's start with you. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Talk about how did you end up being an educator? Wow. Well, back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> No, honestly, it, it, um, it's like 40 years, and, wow. and it started right here at Richland High. This is where I went to high school. Wow, isn't that crazy? And it was a very, it was a cold-blooded decision. I went, wow, I'm pretty good <laughs> at talking in front of people. I like drama, and I don't have the chops to become an actress, so where can I get summers off? <laughs> talk in front of people and do what I love. It was the teaching. <laughs> so starting, yeah, it was, I just started doing things at school like, um, oh, what did we call it? The serve internship where we'd oh, go yeah. into elementary schools and, and work with kids. Mm -hmm. And I went straight off to an education degree, did my student teaching at Richland High and got my first <laughs> job here. And there, there you are. <laughs> And many years have intervened, but I'm, I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. We're glad That's... that she is. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica, how about you? Yeah, I love going after that story, Holly. Yeah. <laughs> so three years ago, I graduated high school. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I actually grew up on the west side of Washington, and um, if you don't know me, I'm only five foot tall, and I wanted to be a jockey. I did horseback riding, um, but I grew too tall for that, oddly enough. And so the next best thing was teaching. Um, so <laughs> it's a natural fit. School, you know, <laughs> high school, I did teaching academy and went straight into I just knew in high school I wanted to be an educator, so went straight into it in college. Um, actually worked at a smaller high school, um, kind of in a more rural area. Taught history there and then was asked to teach special education because they couldn't find anyone to take a job there. Mm. And so mm. went back, got my master's. So actually a couple degrees in and uh, you so it. outed yourself. We've been yeah. keeping that secret. I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, <laughs> and made it to Richland High after a couple moves and have loved it here. So cool. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, let's, let's jump in and talk about, so you guys team teach. Can you kind of talk about what does your classroom look like? What is that team teaching structure for you? Uh, kind of walk us through that. Cause that sounds really cool. Oh, well, they wanted to know what the teaching looks like. I wanted, I thought they wanted to know what the classroom looked like. Yeah. Well, we got the opportunity to team teach together and we got the opportunity also to design the space that we teach in. Oh, so cool. our, exceedingly blessed in the fact that we got to kind of design both of those things and build both from the bottom up. Mm -hmm. um, so, and these are related to, to how our teaching works. Yes, for sure. Yeah. So imagine kind of just the modern workspace. We have, we have, we don't have desks, tables, everything's on wheels, chairs on wheels, tables on wheels, 
Then we have monitors around the room where there are group standing tables where kids can work. And there's no way you can stand still and there's no focal point in the room. That's what I mean about going with our team teaching. Mm -hmm. We are constantly cool. on the move. Yeah, we wanted it to be flexible, comfortable, you know, and move around for what the kids need. So, you know, at various times they'll be working in, we have kind of, you know, just table height tables and they're working there. They can move to these higher peninsula tables that we have as working stations and the wobbly seats and that kind of thing, um, which we've learned you either love them or hate them and make sure to warn the adults before they try to sit down. Um, <laughs> Yeah. It's a little, a little shaky. Oh, otherwise, um, they, they look like they're riding those mechanical bulls. Yes. They take yeah. their <laughs> <laughs> and they're not do very kids have, Do kids have that much problem with them, or is it just an adult thing? Uh, kids at first sometimes, too, but they're usually – they look at it first, and I, I guess they just don't assume as much. I don't know. <laughs> mm -hmm. But, again, even kids and adults, you either love them or hate them. Yeah, um, interesting. I love them, but, you know, and they – and all of the tables are actually whiteboard top, so oh, cool. we have yeah, cool. markers everywhere and the kids are writing notes on the tables drawing diagrams helping each other you know which we kind of thought and and people laughed at us about the whiteboard tables like well that's kind of ridiculous but once the kids started using it and once the adults started using it mm. everybody loves it and it's amazing yeah. it makes so much more sense instead of having bits of notes on paper they write it on the table take a picture of it upload it mm -hmm. to their drive it's just a simple and it's an easy way for them to kind of keep track as we're doing things. So like right now we're doing little kind of snippets of yeah. history and they take some notes, but then what they're doing is are some group padlets on timelines and maps and kind of connecting things. So they're each writing little snippets down on the table and then they can review what they all have, kind of synthesize and go over it. And then they actually do something with it and put it online. So you don't need the little snippets you had because a lot of times when you start talking together, they realize, I did not grab what I needed to grab out of those notes, you know, so it's been a really good kind of learning for them also in note taking, which is good for future. Sure. And it's, it's from direct instruction that they're taking these notes though. Full <laughs> yeah, <display>. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So both of you have, both of you have taught in a structure, a room that's the, the more traditional typical, structure, right? Desks yeah. and those yeah. typical, right? So what was the biggest adjustment both for you in this space, but also for the, for the students, was there a learning curve for them? Did they like it right away? Were they rocking and rolling? Well, it was at very first, it was interesting because there were some errors in the order and some delays and things coming in. So there was about a month or so of kind of, they'd show up and there'd be new stuff and they'd be like, Oh, Oh, and at first, what's they, that chair do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, what to do with it, you know? Yeah. so first, yes, they sit in the chairs and they zoom around. And they just won't get up. They try to, you know, like I make it an entire two hours without getting up from the chair while doing all these things, you know, because they're kids. <laughs> yeah. Um, but after that, I mean, they've really started to utilize it and realize, oh, we can as a group go work over here. Uh, we do have like a little couch and beanbag area and stuff too, yeah. but kind of a reading nook area mm -hmm, mm -hmm. with a monitor that usually has like a little fireplace scene going on. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> so how many monitors are in your classroom? Like, do you have, so I'm just trying to, I'm trying to help listeners here kind of, and for myself, cause I haven't actually seen your classroom, although I'm going to ask you to video yeah. it and give it to me. But uh, do you, do you have like the big projector front of the room or no, you have smaller, smaller TVs around or a little bit of both? We have, we have a, a large interactive whiteboard. Okay. Then we have essentially four smaller, about 40 inch monitors 
up oh, on the cool. walls with um, one is in the reading nook area, but that can then be a workspace. And then we have these three uh, peninsula tables, which will easily take about six kids around them and they can just plug in their Chromebooks to the monitor and then literally just have this, the one monitor to look at. Oh, that's cool. awesome. That is, yeah. I was just working with the school district and they were saying, okay, how do we design a classroom for project-based learning? And I said, you need a minimum of three monitors, preferably four. Mm -hmm. I want everything on wheels. And they were taking down all these notes. So I, I am going to ask you either tomorrow, like not tonight, you need to go home after this, but tomorrow, if one of you wouldn't mind just walking around with your cell phone and sending us a video, just say, this is what the classroom looks like. And we'll put that up in the podcast. Cause I think that's huge. You know, when we talk about flexible spaces, being able to move the, the other question I have for you is, is how often do they move? Cause one of the things I've seen is that you get all this furniture that has wheels and then the teachers lock down the wheels and nobody moves. So how often are like those whiteboard tables moving around, kids coming together as a big group, pulling apart in small groups? How much of that kind of flexibility movement do you get? Well, first to be very clear, it's the kids who are locking them down. We're very happy to have them <laughs> moving, Will but around, they, yeah. they, they need a little stability apparently. Yeah, <laughs> but they choose that, which is nice, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. this is choice. We actually haven't rearranged the, the you'll, when you see them, they're like a two person table. Okay. Uh, we haven't rearranged them that much because the kids themselves are moving during the class period. Mm -hmm. They are being regrouped around, so for example, and we have a two hour block. Right now they have what we're just calling kind of their working groups where they're processing and doing their padlets together. And that's kind of in the first block. Then they will, and they will move to different parts of the room to, with their group, whether they want to use a monitor or go to the reading nook area. Then in the second half, they regroup again because we're doing literature circles where they're choosing a novel that they read together. Again, they are moving around the room. Mm. So we can and we, we have, mm -hmm. oh, we've used it for Socratic seminar. We make mm -hmm. it into the full seminar size. Um, but mostly the kids are moving more than tables we found. Yeah, and they, cool. they will move their chairs more often than their tables and sometimes they'll be in some awkward arrangement we're like remember the tables move and they're yeah. like eh, <laughs> yeah you can bring those with you not as comfortable with that yeah they're just not as comfortable with that they're like that's all right it's almost just having the different different areas for functionality mm -hmm. i think is really important maybe more than the wheels i think we're realizing yeah, i would agree with that too tables and things like that's that cool. yeah. yeah and do you find you kids chew are, are kids like what I love that you said, it was that, you know, the first time a new piece of furniture arrives, the kids just zoom around in it and they want to just see if they can sit in it for the whole two hours, which is what we see with anything. And it's not, a, it's not an age thing. It's a human behavior thing. You get a new television, you sit and watch it for like three days thinking it's the best thing ever. And then you just, you know, then it's just a TV and a chair can be the same thing. It's like, oh my gosh, this is a cool chair. And then, then you're bored. Right. Um, but we do, we see the same thing in technology and we, I keep coming back to this because I see teachers do this over and over again, that anytime you're going to introduce a new technology to students, give them time to sit in the chair and spin, yeah. give them time to play with the technology, <laughs> get all the wiggles out, and then you can go learn with it, right? It's the same, same concept. It's just human yeah. behavior and how, how we work. Yeah. Cause so. even the padlets that they're doing, I mean, we've done padlets before and they've done padlets, but they hadn't done the map version and Ooh, you can have different types of backgrounds. It could be a yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like all right so now as a group just set it up and hey why don't you just we're gonna play around get, grab a group name figure out a yeah. group name yeah. play around with the padlet you know change your background do all that yeah. fun stuff
stuff, get that settled, and tomorrow we'll get to work on it. Yeah, exactly. That's so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So good. Such a great strategy. All right. So then let's talk a little bit then, then what does your teaching structure look like with you guys team teaching now? We've got this cool room that's got white top table desks and you've got screens all over the place for kids to do kind of all kinds of group work. How does that then focus in on, on the way that you teach as a team? Oh, (laughs) well, I think, (laughs) yeah, it's definitely been a learning process. And I think it's, it's interesting because so for two hours, Linda and I team teach the next two hours, Linda team teaches with a different teacher in the same subject. And I go to coaching for the remainder. So, um, and our space is actually set up where the back kind of third of the room is, has the green screen curtain. Um, and there's kind of an office space in the back there and that's where I'm at. So I'm in and out and helping teachers and stuff. So I think the main thing that we've discovered is really planning and intentionality and having a common goal or driving question or critical thinking skill or something that we are working towards. As long as we have that in common and we have that in place, it's all worked out. Um, I think it changes daily what we do and how we do it just based on what, what our goal is. So we will have, you know, there's some direct instruction, which we trade off doing, or we, we tag team that. So they'll, and we always try to space ourselves at different ends, back or front of the room. It, it twists the kids around a little bit, but they live on little rolly chairs. They can do that. Uh, sometimes, quite honestly, we've got this whiteboard. It's the interactive whiteboard that is so sensitive that if you look wrong at it, sometimes it goes, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> so one of us sometimes has to go over to kind of the control station while the other one's talking. And so it's very fluid in that way. Uh, but it comes from back to what you were saying, we know what our driving question is. We know what our skills are to be taught. We know the content we want to cover. Then it's, and then when you're doing it, you'll miss something and one will say, yeah, and then, and it's just a part of the the gig that you're building off one another and adding back and forth. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Isn't isn't team teaching the best? (laughs) Really, I mean, when you find when you find a partner that you literally like, you match up and you mesh like that, and there are no egos where you can say, you know, your partner misses something, just like, oh, and remember, right? And you could just you go with it. I mean, when you find that dynamic, I there, I had it one time in my career, and it was (laughs) like it's really hard to teach any other way, right? Yeah, and it's so cool when you face plant at the end of the lesson and you look at each other and you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, wow, that, that just wasn't time. right. Yeah. Put it together. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's so yeah, good. Let's reflect on it because I'm going to teach this next hour and I <laughs> want to know what right. to do. <laughs> How do I do that differently? Great. So when you guys are doing your planning time, preparing lessons, do you specifically say, okay, uh, you take this section, I'm going to take this section. Um, is it that thought out or is it more fluid? What's it that at the beginning and you moved to more fluid model? I, I think with what we're doing, that has even changed. Um, mm-hmm. I think we've always had to find that, that big focus. And then from there, it's kind of figured itself out. When it's mainly, I take on more of the history. Um, that's my yeah. kind of yeah. area. 
and Lena Tesa more of the English, but that's not exclusive in either direction. Um, but it is just, I'm a little bit more passionate about, you know, my history. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so that's kind of been, been part of it, but I don't know yeah. that that's not like a strict line of I do this and you yeah. do that. Um, we usually kind of talk through it or, Hey, I want to take this part on and I want to do that part. All right. I'll do the other part is it's usually just fairly casual conversation in it. Yeah. We, yeah. we play to each other's strengths, but we do complement each other. I tend to be like way too cosmically global in my thinking. And just that is the one. Yeah, Linda, but these are 10th graders. So let's get it. Yeah. <laughs> place they won't get a point, the point of what you're saying. So mm -hmm. that is really nice. And yeah. Yeah. We have definitely learned that through our planning. I mean, it, I mean, it's always sunshine and rainbows, oh. but <laughs> <laughs> we never but, disagree. Yeah, no, yeah, but, but we, we have definitely learned that we approach teaching and everything from opposite ends. So yeah. I go from kind of step-by-step step, the details into the larger picture where Linda is a larger picture than down to the details. Mm -hmm. And so, Usually we talk in circles until eventually figure out where we have in common and we can start kind of going from there. Um, but at least now that we recognize that, you know, we can both be in that conversation and realizing, all right, we just need to find that common ground. There it is. Okay. Yeah. Now we can get going here. <laughs> yeah. And we work it out ahead of time. So we're not really imposing that craziness on the kids more than well, yes, is necessary. Yes. Yeah. And, and that is yeah. definitely one thing we've learned is that that planning time together is yes. essential. If you don't mm -hmm. have that, it's not going to work. Yeah. We've taken planning a planning days with the three of us. So the other teacher that Linda team teaches with in order for us to get, especially those big things, cause she does not have the same planning time with us. And so, you know, you need to make that time in order for that part to be successful. Yeah. I love that. And I'd like the, one of the things is when you talk about your collaboration partnership, uh, there was a video that I was just showing today. That's part of a training that I was doing today. And in the video, uh, it's talking about what it takes to be creative and, and kind of the creative process that from a neuroscience standpoint, but in, in the video, he, uh, he also talks about being creative in a partnership and the line. And I love the line. The line is if you work with somebody that's a carbon copy of you, you might as well work alone that you need to work with somebody that is different than you. Because if you work with somebody that thinks exactly the same way that you think, you don't talk each other in circles, which is learning, by the way. You don't try to mm -hmm. find that common ground. Meanwhile, trying to understand that somebody else can have a completely different approach and it's fine. That's what you want. If I work with somebody that thinks just like me, then um, we're not pushing each other. There isn't this, there yeah. isn't a, that's not true collaboration. And I just, every time I think about that, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, yeah, of course you don't want to work with a car carbon copy of yourself. You want to work with somebody that's big picture to details and the person that's detailed to big pictures because in, that's the pull and push, right? Of creating a dynamic classroom. We rock. I know. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You guys are yeah. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> can you give me, can you, can you talk about some experience? some specific examples uh, that you use in, in your classroom, some strategies or things that have come out. I know, and I don't think we mentioned this for the listeners, but you're in a one-to-one -one Chromebook uh, yes. classroom. Uh, so are there things that you have seen that have come out of that? Are there different strategies you're using in your classroom? Can you kind of talk about some of those things that maybe you found work for an ELA high school classroom? Okay, so as you know, global to, to <laughs> detail. <laughs> So I'm, I'm, I'm going to get there, but there's a piece <laughs> I'm going to bring in first, which is, yeah. is 
we have really made it shift right down to actually having a specialized grading system that, that really takes away the power of the zero. We are all about standards referenced, formative assessment. So keeping that in mind, our strategies and really the whole structure of our course and the things we do all tie into that notion of, of what, is, what is something that is building to the standard and then how do we assess it? So our bigger assessment pieces, are thing, those are our projects. So I thought maybe we could talk about one of the projects that we did and perfect. how it was tying in. It would, we also use that for uh, the English piece in terms of the essay and communication. But the other thing we're really excited about is in terms of literature, you know what? Wait for it. Kids <laughs> aren't reading the same novel oh. or pretending to read the same novel, <laughs> pretending to discuss it and get it. Wow. What we do to teach literary analysis is we have them pick a book they love and we have individual conferences with them over the course. It just incorporates as a part of the day when they're doing independent work. We take them aside and we have a book talk and we cool. teach them how to read yeah. literature in the context of their own stories. Love it. Love it. I wish I would have had that choice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm serious. Like I, I'm, uh, I struggle at reading. I'm dyslexic and it's just not my thing. If I could have been able to choose the books, cause it's only, the only books I read are books that I I've got to be full in on, you know, yeah. otherwise it's just like, my brain says, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. I pretend to read a lot of books in high school. Yeah. I pretended to read like all of the books in high school. <laughs> but, oh yeah. 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 All right, right. So talk about that. Like talk about where does that strategy come from? And then what, how does that play out in, in some of these bigger projects that you're doing? What does that look like? Well, I think the main piece there like to me is that, is that revision piece and the feedback mm -hmm. and the discussion. And so the projects are slightly different. Um, so those were two to three weeks per project ish. Mm -hmm. Um, we had two first semester, um, they're gearing up for a big one in a couple weeks. They don't know it yet, but you know, well, they know it, they just don't know exactly when it's due. <laughs> um, cause we pick a big question and then we study it and work on it. And then it's like, okay. And now that you've gotten this background information. Um, so one was on kind of early ancient civilizations and, and comparing and talking about them and, and picking some that you want to study and what do you find and what makes them unique, but what makes them all the same? How, why do we have civilizations? What is it about humanity that needs that? Because, you know, they bring in literature and you have all of these other pieces and we're bringing in science um, and connecting with one of their science teachers that majority of them have a lot. And in order to try and, and further that knowledge and connect those things together. So, I mean, a lot of it is just checking in and just that feedback loop of that's great. Now, what about this piece or how is that part going? And, and what do you think about this? And just pushing them a little bit more to revise and revise. And we have definitely seen that that has been the hardest part for the students. Yes. Um, and projects a bit, you know, cause they think, oh, I turn it in, I'm done. Yeah. Essays yeah. have been the biggest one. I've They're writing, like, but I, I did it. Like, mm -hmm. Yes, you did a, a draft, a version, but there's always editing to be done. And that, that has been a really, yes. really tough one. So I think at first they were really upset about that, that it wasn't just turned in and done. Um, but I think they've also seen that, okay, you didn't like, you know, the feedback you received on this and usually instill with the kids, it's their grade. And we try not to focus on the grade, but they still mm -hmm. focus on the grade. Um, but they, they want to make it better. 
And so we have that conversation and here's how to make it better. And usually that conversation goes kind of around a circle, but I did like that minimum piece, like, yes, but it could be better. And then once they see their final version, you know, they do see a difference in their work, which is good. Mm, yeah. um, there is still resistance because, you know, they're kids. Yeah. And they're really yeah. good at school. Yeah. The they're really good at playing school, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. Yep. Um, I love that though, because I just keep thinking like if, if I was teaching that class and the kids are like, you mean you want me to write it again? And I'd be like, yes. And you need to understand when I went to school before a computer, I had to rewrite the same story five times, five times. <laughs> I'm only asking you to do two revisions and I had to do it by hand in cursive writing. You get yeah. to just type it out. You get to talk to your computer and do it. Yeah, Don't give me this. Right. You, I'm not, I'm asking you to revise where you get to cut some paragraphs and spell check. Yeah. Lines are, everything's already read underlined for you. Come on. <laughs> so Don't easy. Turn in red squiggly lines to me. Yeah, Come that's on. right. Come on. Right, Step number yeah. one, get rid of all red squiggly lines. Let's just, let's just start there. <laughs> Don't complain to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's great. I love that. That's just, I, I love that approach. I love the standards-based approach, you know, and, and trying to figure out that. Well, I want to dig in a little bit because we don't get this very often where we get a tech, uh, a tech coach with a teacher. So I wanted to dig in a little bit uh, with you, Jessica, about just, you've been, it looks like you've been a coach for about four years. I think a high uh, school no, coach. This is only my second year, actually. Oh, your second year. Okay. I was a coach for four years. Oh, she was a coach for four. Classroom, and so hey. our role kind of reverse well then this is awesome <laughs> yeah so <laughs> as coach, coach yes I, I, okay so as a coach and former coach yes. how have you seen like you guys have been rolling out you rolled out this one-to-one -one program a couple years ago and what are you seeing like i love the way you're the two of you are, are approaching learning but are you seeing this is it starting to spread what is your professional development looking like how, how have you seen this over the years what is that looking at at a larger scale at your school so the professional development is very structured last year um, I think that was good in a way. Staff didn't always like it, <laughs> but it was good to have everyone on the same page coming together, you know, kind of systematically going through um, some structure to it. This year, it's not as structured. It's more as needed, one-to-one. -one, what are you doing? What do you want to move forward? You know, what are some big things that are going on? Because there's still, of course, always changes, new curricular adoptions. Yeah. Uh, new programs, new grading programs, all sorts of things going on. But I've definitely seen a shift from teachers using technology as push the same stuff out to the kids that now it is becoming a way for the teachers to innovate. So they're getting kind of some of their own agency. And now it's starting to filter to the students where the students mm -hmm. are getting that agency of they are creating and they are you know, doing new things with their technology and showing different strengths and talents that they have to their teachers using that technology. So I think we're getting there. I mean, the problem with technology is it's never done. Right. That's a good and a bad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's totally yeah. a problem. Well, but I, I, I think part of that is, is the same mindset you see with students you get with, I, I would, I would say okay. teachers. Like I always have teachers like, so if I take your three trainings, that means I'm done. I know it all. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm all good. No. Yeah. <laughs> that's not how technology works. I'm going to show you one tool and that tool is going to update between the next time we meet. You're going to have to relearn the tool. Let's <laughs> just tech. You're never done. You're never going to be done. Yeah. The button moves and it's okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, and that, and that's kind of the part of it, is getting to that adaptive piece, but teachers are starting to realize, okay, even the little things that things like our LMS, we're using canvas right. here. 
the little things that it gives you that are kind of those turn in filing the same time you can give immediate feedback to students. So even though that seems like a little thing and it seems like a technical thing and it seems like a worksheet replacement or things like that, you are actually giving that feedback to the students and they are interacting with it, mm. which is way more powerful. And then it comes back to you. So you have faster communication and feedback with students that also alleviates a lot of time for teachers. They are trying new things because they yeah, aren't cool. buried under a stack of paper. I like that. So that has been a big thing. And I had working with a teacher the other day, she commented, they just did a quiz in Canvas. And she's like, I it's like, ah, eh, I'll try it. But she realized, she's like, I noticed we did a quiz on paper. Okay. And I gave feedback. I wrote things, kids got things wrong, da da da. You know, kid looked at it, tossed it aside. Meh. They did it in Canvas, got immediate feedback on what was right and wrong, came up to challenge my question asking, mm. asked about the questions, got clarification, wanted to know what the right answer was and why it was that, that type of thing. She's like, they've never done that before. So the kids yeah. are accessing that feedback, even though the teachers were giving it before, right. but they're using it now, mm. which is more that. powerful. And so they are trying more things and they're like, oh, so what if I try this or what if I do this? And now I have freedom to look for more materials or do these or send them out to find these things. So, so it's starting to build and grow. It's not a fast process by any means and it's not a comfortable process for everybody either. But I've definitely seen, seen that growth from you know the pen and paper replacement to actually making a difference and a change in the way students are learning and interacting with their teachers and things. Mm -hmm. And how long have you been in a one-to-one? -one? Is this year two, year three? Three, two? four? Two? Two. One-to-one. Yeah. One. Some of us had like Chrome carts before. Right. But, had but full one-to-one one second year. Yep. 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 Yeah. So That's I, I love... <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Chris. So I was just going to say, I, I love the... I always have this conversation with teachers when they move to the paperless feedback and the instant <laughs> feedback and um, the ability for students to interact and that instantaneous and kids actually read it and they actually use it. And that's, that's, that's awesome. Um, so I think that some of your knowing some of your teachers and them starting to move in that direction. That's fantastic. It's great. Um, can you talk, what are some other examples that are maybe even further along in that? I know last year, some of the English department was working on 20 time projects. Yeah. Um, so what are some, if you would say, like really innovative things that are happening that are kind of pushing the boundaries in the class? Do you want me to talk about Brand? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so one of our 20-time teachers from last year, he has a senior writing class this, this semester. And so what he's done is he's kind of moved from the, the whole notion of the, and he's still doing 20-time project with some of his classes, but and what he's done with his senior writing is he's basically taken, he's flipping it to, I thought you'd love this. He's flipping the classroom. Sweet. He's doing all of his major direct instruction with the videos at home. Awesome. So that as the kids are in class, he's writing, he's workshopping, writing workshop with them. Now the 20 time project comes into it because essentially there are five major pieces. They are all on a theme around a cause, a need, something that the kids really care about and they're designed developmentally so that the you know the easier ones come first the proposals the and it's not like the traditional research paper and then ultimately he's taking all of these papers because it is a writing class 
but kids then also have the options of blogs, podcasts. There's a lot of variety in the, the pieces they can do. And then it will be the digital portfolio at the end that they walk out the door with. Very cool. Very cool. I love it. And our, what's, what grade is that? That's a senior writing elective, yeah. but he's done the 20 time project with ninth and 10th. So 20 times, like 20% time, like the idea of genius hour right. or 20% time or something. Yeah. Wow. That's fantastic. And I love that. Cause I think one of the things, uh, so I'm, let me just ask the question rather than me thinking I know the answer already. Um, has he found that, 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 that has helped with the quote unquote senior itis when kids have that much control over and they're going to walk away. Like you are building something that when you leave here as a senior, you're going to have a website or a blog or, or something that, that is beyond high school. Like this is something that could land you a job, get you into university, do something else with. Has he noticed that well, at all? Well, I think that's the goal, but it's been okay. two weeks. So we're hopeful. It's been two weeks. Okay. So this is brand new. All right. Cool. It's a semester class. So yes, exactly. Yeah. Spring semester, you know, of a senior year. Yeah. We're in Greta. Okay. We may have a yeah. lot of Phoenix and chocolate in support of this yeah. kid because <laughs> there may be some rough yeah. moments. Oh, yeah. 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 And I, I would just say, like, I'm doing, uh, I just, again, was talking with the teacher that I've been working with up in Marysville School District here in, in the state. And uh, she's getting ready for that senioritis spring semester. And so she's doing a, very much the same thing. These kids are building a portfolio. They're spending, uh, I think, once a week, they go to Indeed.com and they're looking up job openings. Oh. And they're practicing writing applications. They're writing their resume. They're starting their LinkedIn profile. They're getting their social media in order as they get ready to graduate. Um, you know, writing their bios. They're going in and like, like you writing, right? So they're writing bios for their, all of their websites. Like what does your bio need to say? What are the keywords for your industry? So they're looking up like on indeed.com. You want to be a dentist? Fantastic. What are the keywords that are that a dentist that you're finding in all of these job openings? How do you make sure those end up in your profile? And helping kids really understand that you can grab this information out there. I was just helping another friend who um, he's graduating from a university in Texas and his girlfriend lives up in Vancouver, Canada. And so he was like, can you uh, look at my LinkedIn profile? Cause he's getting ready to graduate and he's looking for a job in uh, website security, like data security is, is what he's getting his degree in. And so he sends me his LinkedIn profile and I'm like, you really need to work on this. He's a senior at university, right? And I'm like, this is not good. Like, first of all, you don't have a background photo. You don't have enough connections. Like, go, go out and find out what are the keywords? Because when people do a job search and they're looking for employees, you got to know what those keywords are for your industry. So being able to just break some of that down and making sure that ends up in your writing and you make sure that ends up so that you're talking the language that people are looking for. I think it's such a key concept that is beyond high school, but you can start working on that now to set up those those profiles online and, those, and in your portfolio or your website, make sure you're hitting those. So like if you know you're going to, you want to do X, Y, and Z, how do you make sure that you're, you're already preparing that? And to me, that's, that's perfect for last semester seniors. Yeah. yeah. Well, we yeah. Act, that's actually what our kids do with their projects and their work is we have, they have a class website for a Google site and they yeah. you know, have all of their work on there. Um, they're going to add their essays and things like that. Because, and we talked to them about, okay, well, you guys made this at the beginning and you put <laughs> down my totally awesome, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Tupac tweaking. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and so we, the other day we we're like, all right, so this is actually an academic website. This is to show how wonderful you are and how intelligent you are academically to the rest of the world. 
this is going to be linked to your name. This is going yeah. to be linked as to what you are presenting the world. So let's work on that, shall we? <laughs> so, you know, kind of, and having that conversation of you need to be projecting, you know, the image that you want seen of yourself online. And this is where it starts. And so our kids are sophomores right now, but having that conversation and building that portfolio mm -hmm. now, you can have yeah. sites where you have a 10th grade year and 11th grade year, 12th grade, you know, and having that conversation of, of building your work yeah. and showing what you can do and what you know and different skills that you have. Cause some of our students have amazing talents outside of the school, but they are building that into their website through things like yeah. we have extension activities where they can pick kind of their passion, you know, and, and demonstrate a skill or some mm -hmm. of their learning through that passion. And so, you know, some are kind of turning into, you know, sports profiles of themselves. Yeah. Some are showing the YouTube videos they create and that type of thing where yes, demonstrate your strengths, but let's make sure it is in a professional and academic manner and having that conversation because yeah, they don't get that yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that's the, that's the perfect place to do. And I'll, I want to talk to you about my goddaughters who go to your high school here after we hang out. <laughs> I don't want, because if I put their name, if I put their name in the podcast, then I'll really be in trouble, but we'll talk about their methods. <laughs> but one of them, the ninth grader is an amazing artist. And I don't think anybody at school knows other than friends because she has a, a separate Instagram that is just for her artwork. So she's got three Instagram accounts, but one of them is just her artwork and it's incredible. And now she's set up, she just started a TikTok account, but her TikTok yeah. account is her. She now videos herself making, making this artwork and then like speeds it up for kids. And yeah. to me, I, that I was thinking about her when you were saying that, like, here's, here's a girl who's got this incredible talent that she, and she's not the most amazing artist in the world, but she's an incredible, incredible talent that she loves to do. She is passionate about her drawings. Where's the place that she can showcase that? that she can showcase her learning and in, in her draft to a final product and be able to talk about the inspiration she has for all of these drawings that she does, which come from her day-to-day -day life being a ninth grader, right? Mm -hmm. That's their inspiration for her drawings. I mean, how great is that, that you would have a website where you could show that stuff that it's not just about math, history, science, and going to school, but these kids have incredible talents that are not always showcased inside of a school day and allowing them the freedom to show that as well. And I mm -hmm. think that, that that's a huge, and there's no reason why we can't do that today. There's a lot of ways that integrates into school too. So, I mean, you can't see them, but behind me, there's a bunch of paintings that students have done connected to what we were doing in history class back when, you know, years ago now, it seems, you know, <laughs> back in, in normal traditional history class, but they could still use your talent to demonstrate your learning from something or what struck you, what yeah. was, you know, passionate or heartfelt that you, you know, that you glean from the history. And so I think there's always an opportunity to, to use your talent and your passion in, you know, whatever form. Yeah. And we were just a, a teeny bit seditious with this on another front of innovation, which is for fall parent conferencing. We didn't sit down in a cafeteria over a table and talk about grades. We opened up our classroom and we, but the, used the monitors to to show the kids projects and their website cool. and invited the cool. kids to be here to actually give them you know show them to their parents and that was very that was a very real experience for them not so much the experience showing it to their own parents but having another monitor over going wow my project sucks yeah <laughs> that that's was the best really moment good. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't and they were like i I thought I worked hard on that. I thought I did a good job on that. Mm. 
you know, cause, cause that was the normal standard. And then I saw theirs. Oh, that's what you meant. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. Bam. Pick it up a notch. Yeah. 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 It's one of the best things about those moments. I remember I was doing student-led conferences when I was a sixth grade teacher and I had, I kept, we had this, one of my students was just really disorganized about everything, you know, and we're talking pre-technology. So like the portfolio was still in a three ring binder type thing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I was having conversations with his, with his parents. I'm like, you know, we just got to help him with his organization. Like he's losing papers at school and this, that, and the other thing. And so we had student-led conferences where I had, I think four you know, four kids presenting to their parents at the same time. Well, his parents come in and his papers are all over the place. His binder's a mess. <laughs> and the other three are just like going through this beautiful presentation. And finally the parents are like, Oh, I get it. <laughs> I'm like, yes, this is what we're talking about. <laughs> this is unorganized for being a sixth grader. Yeah. But sometimes yes. it takes that, right? It's taking somebody else going like, yeah. Oh, that's what you meant. Oh, that's what you, you know, Oh, I, I can up my game. I know I can up my game now. So that's yeah. great. Well, thank you so much guys for a great conversation. I really appreciate it. I don't want to keep you too long because I know it's, it's late and you need to get home uh, to your families as well. But uh, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your team teaching approach. Uh, some of your insights in, into uh, coaching and, and some of the amazing stuff you're doing at your high school. I really appreciate you taking time. If people wanted to reach out to you to learn more or follow up, uh, I really hope you were able to take a video of your classroom tomorrow, not tonight, um, and send that to me. I'll make sure that's on the podcast because people love that. We had another teacher do that that did some flexible seating and, and it was fantastic, the feedback we got. I was just saying thank you because always, everybody's always trying to figure out what does that classroom environment have to look like, right? That's a big part of the, the teaching well. So if you mind doing that, but if teachers wanted to reach out to you what would be the best way would it be to, uh, to get you an email are you on twitter instagram one of you have a tiktok account i, I just trying to read the audience here <laughs> i do not have a tiktok yet oh, okay. right. <laughs> um probably email is the most straightforward for me okay. i have instagram but and twitter but the one yeah. i would check most most readily would be the email okay yep. Perfect. So we'll make sure that those get into the show notes and stuff too. I don't want to say them on the air in case, you know, the thing is out there, but we'll make sure that people can contact you if they would like to in, in your episode. So really great. appreciate you guys spending the time. I yeah, really appreciate thanks it. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Jeff. And thank you, Chris. It was awesome. Day. Yeah. That's good to catch up. Absolutely. It was awesome. <laughs> thanks so much for listening to this episode of Shifting Our Schools with your host, Jeff Udick. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit sospodcast.org, facebook.com slash Jeff Udick, and on Twitter at judick. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time on Shifting Our Schools.